Hello, boys and ghouls. My name is Harmony, and this is What the Actual F. For those of you who have never listened to this podcast, What the Actual F is a true crime, paranormal, and just like all things weird, dark, and creepy podcast. Not only do I cover your typical crime content, but I also cover like really fucking weird conspiracy theories. Sometimes we're gonna talk about some paranormal stuff too, like cryptids, ghosts, and uh, maybe even the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. And I'll even throw in a few ghosts sometimes, like some haunted places or really terrifying shit that can't be explained logically, so it has to be paranormal. Because that just means <laughs> above the norm or out of the ordinary. Now, because this is the first real episode of the spooky season, I thought we could talk about Halloween crime. Now, I haven't decided if our spooky season will solely surround Halloween crimes and ghosts and all things spooky. However, I am going to start the season with this case. I would like to tell you about three gruesome murders. Although I will have audio sprinkled throughout and you will quickly find out who committed these crimes, I'm going to try to share the story with you as it was, I want to say, stumbled upon by the investigators. I want to share it with you as it unfolded. Which means I'm probably not going to personally state who killed them until we get closer to the end. But you're still going to know exactly who it is. I just like to tell things as I can in the same order that investigators found it. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, in this episode, we will be discussing the Liskey family murders, also known as a true Halloween massacre. We need an ambulance in the sheriff to show up, please. Where's the blood? It's all, all in the bed. In their house? In their bed? It's in their bed. Okay. Oh my god! Bill! Lori? I don't know! Bill's in the bed! He's dead! He's gotta be dead! Okay. Did it look like maybe he was shot? Oh, he's, honey, he's, he's either shot or stabbed or something. Halloween of 2010 started off like any other day, and that's usually how these tales are. For 16-year-old Devin Griffin, who stayed the night at his father's house the day before, when he woke up that morning, he went to his house around 9.30 to change into some clothes for church. While he was home, he noted the presence of his stepbrother before leaving. Now, something was a little odd about his stepbrother on this occasion. One thing about this stepbrother was that he was usually pretty gloomy. Not exactly a happy-go-lucky person. Somebody who basically looked around the world and said, Wow, this is shitty. And, well, you just knew he didn't like things. However, on this occasion, on this day, he seemed really happy, uncharacteristically, uncharacteristic. It wasn't normal, okay? It wasn't normal. Sorry, words are tough. So, according to Devin Griffin, his stepbrother was just not acting like him. This was a guy who was usually pretty frustrated and angry, yet he was in a really chipper mood. On this day, the church service wasn't a short one, so Devin actually found himself returning to his house later than he expected. 
Like most teenagers at the time, he didn't exactly go check in with his parents, he just went and did what he wanted to do. So he went upstairs and started playing video games in his room. Now he did this for quite some time actually, before he started to realize that the house was pretty quiet, especially for a Sunday. And for a holiday as well. Why wasn't anyone moving around? Why wasn't somebody at least like, you know, getting food or in the living room? Or why didn't he hear anyone talking? We all have lived with somebody at some point, be it your parents or just family. If you are home alone, it's quiet. However, if people are there, which he believed they were, there'd be some sort of noise, but there just wasn't. Yeah, sure, people sleep in, especially on the weekends. However, his mother never slept in like this. At this point, he realized this wasn't normal. At this point, he decided to head to his parents' room and just like check in and make sure everything's, you know, kosher. This is when he did find his mother and stepfather, and he saw they were still in bed. Their maroon comforter had been pulled all the way over their heads, but he could see his mother's foot that was peeking out underneath the bottom of the blanket. So in his mind, yeah, this was like, pretty odd, you know, not exactly normal, but maybe they were both like under the weather or maybe they just were like, fuck it, you know, we're exhausted, let us sleep. So Devin decided to start talking to his mom, you know, maybe like she'll start stirring cause she'll hear his voice. This is usually how it goes. He began to approach her side of the bed, hoping that she would turn her head and respond. When she did not respond to his voice, he began to start tapping her on the leg. You know, the way you do when you're trying to like get somebody who's super tired to wake up, you know, just like, hey, hey, hello. Well, this wasn't working. This is when he decided to start pulling the covers down. And the first thing he noticed was the pillow. This pillow seemed to be soaked in blood. At first, Devin thought, okay, this is a, this has gotta be a prank, like super dark and twisted, but good one, mom, you got me, he's getting a little scared. But it was Halloween, so this had to be the reason, right? This definitely wasn't his mother's blood. Besides, they hosted a party the night before, maybe his parents were just still in the Halloween spirit. Soon though, the realization of what he was staring at hit him. This was not a prank. It was clear that somebody had brutally murdered 46-year-old Susan Liskey and her 53-year-old husband, William Liskey. Immediately, Devin ran away from the house. He then quickly called his aunt Lori. Immediately upon this, Lori did not waste any time. She called police and informed them of exactly what he had told her and then what she saw, which was all recorded. In the phone call, she also names a relative by the name of William Liskey Jr. She says that she believes he could be a suspect. She says they've had a lot of trouble with him and the law. And he's threatened Susie before. But there's been all kinds of trouble. Now I'm not gonna tell you who done it, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell you the players have been laid out on the table for you. His son DJ was here last night. They were gonna go hunting. They've had a lot of trouble with him, with the law. And he's threatened Susie before. When police arrived at the Liskey family home, they found Susan, William, and Susan's 23-year-old son, Derek, all had been murdered in their beds. Now, Susan and William's body were discovered in their upstairs bedroom, and Derek had also been found in his upstairs bedroom behind a locked door. It was apparent that all three victims had severe trauma to their skulls. 
Susan and William had been shot to death. They also determined that there was no sign of a struggle. It was likely that they had been killed as they were sleeping. According to the coroner records, William Liskey had been shot in the head and face five times from a range of between one and two feet. Now, Susan, she was kind of like awkwardly sprawled out and they assumed that maybe she had moved or maybe she had been moved. However, they would learn the reason that Susan was awkwardly positioned was because the person who murdered her also sexually assaulted her. And this was most likely done after she was killed. I gotta pause for just like a quick second. I think murder is without a doubt absolutely fucking heinous. You are literally ending a life. That is not okay. But if you add any form of sexual assault to that, that is just you, I don't even, I have no words. I cannot fathom as a fucking human being trying to or feeling the desire to fuck a corpse especially one who I just created. Like I just killed a human and made this corpse. Fuck no, that is not a turn on. I don't understand people. And you know, this is proof every week that I come here and tell these stories to you that people are so dark and twisted, it's disgusting. Anyways, let's continue with this absolutely mindfuck of a disturbing tale. Okay, now Derek Griffin had been upstairs as well, like I said, behind his locked bedroom door. He was found curled up in his bed with blunt force trauma to his skull. However, unlike his mother and her husband William, he was actually killed with a bloody claw hammer, and that was found in the house. It was also likely that he was dead within moments of the first hit. That is how intense and how severe he was struck. Although they found the bloody claw hammer and there were several guns in the home that were all seized, they did not find the gun that was used to end William and Susan's life. But as they were looking around, they did discover some footprints that were outside on the deck. There were some muddy footprints leading toward the lake. So they believed, you know, the gun's probably in there. If it's not in the house, and there were a lot of guns in the house, it's gotta be in there. Cause you know, there's footprints. So like, let's drain this lake. And they did it. They drained the whole lake, even got canines out there to sniff and see if they could find a weapon. After doing all of that, searching the entire property, they did not find it. Lori also let police know that she had attempted to call the house between 7 and 9 a.m. She did this because she realized that Derek hadn't gone to work yet. She also reported that a Ford F-150 pickup truck was missing from the property. This is when Devin's stepbrother, William Liskey Jr., became their primary suspect. You see, he was nowhere to be found. And the fact that a truck was missing, you know, a vehicle from the property, just screamed that he left the scene. It seems as though maybe we have a suspect. A gruesome scene and tragedy here at this house on Jerusalem Road, just past the Bono Curve in Ottawa County. Three family members found dead yesterday around 2 o'clock. William Liskey, his wife Susan, found in their bed. Also, Susan's son, 23-year-old Derek Griffin, was discovered. The boy Derek was upstairs locked in a bedroom. Susan's other son, 16-year-old Devin Griffin, went to the Liskey home after church and found his family members. Police say the accused, William's son, William Liskey, he's 24. Ottawa County Sheriff Bob Bratton says he took off across the state yesterday afternoon, 
but was found in Carroll County, where the Liskies have a family cottage. This was one of several locations that he was known to possibly be at. So we put out a statewide alert. Authorities say Liskey moved around a lot, but frequently visited the home. On Saturday, he was spending time there for a gathering, possibly a Halloween party. But cops say there's a history of family tension at this house, which has involved police. Now I want to tell you about BJ, a.k.a. 24-year-old William Liskey Jr. He was often referred to as BJ by his family and his friends and all who knew him. I am also going to refer to him as BJ, seeing as how one of the victims was also William Liskey. So just feel like two William Liskeys is very confusing. So his father will remain William and the murderer William I will refer to as BJ. Now, BJ would end up being arrested 170 miles away. He was discovered at a cabin that actually belonged to a relative. This cabin was located in Carroll County. It was also a cabin that he would go to with his father often for hunting trips. And they had just gone there for a hunting trip, which makes this a little bit more disturbing because after he brutally took his father's life, he went to a place he had just had a happy memory with him. And you know, some people might say, oh, well, he went there because he felt so bad for what he did. But I don't think so. I just, I don't think so. But anyways, let's continue. BJ was actually discovered at this cabin because a deputy by the name of Michael Belash actually spotted the pickup truck that was missing from his house. The truck he saw matched the description of the F-150 that it was believed BJ was driving. He then saw BJ exit the building and lean against a post and start smoking a cigarette. This was when Michael decided he was going to approach BJ, his gun drawn, and take him down. And that's exactly what he did. He arrested BJ right there without any hitch. As he waited for backup, he hadn't like handcuffed him yet. And I don't know how that all went down, but apparently he just sat on him and waited for people to arrive so that he could get help handcuffing him. And there you have it the suspect. This case was pretty heavy, so to the point that the Bureau of Criminal Identification and the Carroll County Sheriff's Department both carried out searches of BJ's property and his vehicle. They also took his clothes that he was wearing off of him and put them into evidence. They didn't want anything to get past them. Initially, BJ was charged with one count of murder. They only charged him with one because it was enough to hold BJ until the case could be fully presented to a jury. Once they were able to appear in front of a jury, they could determine if they could charge him with more. I don't know if you've ever been arrested, but if you get arrested, there's often a holding area before you're actually put back in like a cell. A lot of people actually get arrested so much so that you have to go through like booking, processing, all that, and you can't just go sit in a cell during this. You sit in this like little area with all the other criminals. Not exactly sure what goes on there, but I have a feeling they just like sit and sing kumbaya, maybe like cuddle with Care Bears, who knows? Just the regular stuff that criminals do together. So he is actually in a holding area during this time on the afternoon that he was arrested in Carroll County Sheriff's Department. When he was officially put into a cell, an officer said that he should be put in a suicide prevention smock. However, BJ refused. He adamantly fought against this. When the officer actually reached to help take his clothes off, he was met with a straight up punch to the fucking face. Just whack! 
But BJ wasn't done then. Not only did he punch him in the jaw, he also scratched him like a cat across the face. However, despite this assault on the officer, no additional charges would be brought against BJ. That's fucking luck, by the way, because if you assault an officer, it's usually just like they'll charge you with every single thing they can when it comes to that. Also, it wasn't like this was just a quick wham bam. Another officer on the scene actually had to bring him down with the threat of a stun gun. So it wasn't like BJ was just like, oh, I got you down. I'm just gonna stand here and be cool. An officer had to threaten him to get him to stop being all like, you know, assaulty. It's clear that BJ is a real asshole. Before we continue to the next segment and you hear some audio that pertains to this, you are probably gonna question something that many people have. What is the motive behind this murder? Many people don't just get up and start murdering their family. It's not like you just wake up one day and go, huh, you know what I wanna do? I'm gonna go pew pew to my loved ones. It's just not something many people do. Also, the fact that when Devin saw BJ that morning, he was overly happy. And he also asked Devin, hey, when are you planning on leaving? And do you plan on coming back anytime soon? At that point, had BJ already murdered his family or was he waiting to do so? Basically, what I'm saying is we don't really know why he did all this and we're not ever going to find out, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I may be sitting here telling you the story of the Liskey massacre, but I'm going to leave you with a lot of questions. Questions that today still have no answers. New details now on the man accused of murdering three family members. He faced a judge this morning in Ottawa County Common Pleas Court. William Liskey is charged with six counts of aggravated murder. Liskey will be evaluated within the next 30 days to see if he's competent to stand trial. The 24-year-old's accused of murdering his father, William Liskey, his stepmother, Susan, and her son, Derek. All three were found dead in their Jerusalem Road home on Halloween. If Liskey is found guilty on all the charges, he could face the death penalty. He's behind bars right now on $3 million bond. This triple homicide is absolutely brutal. And at this point, investigators are trying to figure out what the motive is. And I'm sure you're curious. It's not really common for people to get up and just go, I think I'm gonna end my family's life today. Like that's just, that sounds like a good Sunday. However, when you step back and look at the history of BJ and his family, you may start to see something was wrong. Local authorities were often called to the Liskey residence, and this was due to what would be quoted as violent disturbances. Let's talk about a few examples of these. In 2002, William Liskey Sr. called the police to the house because his then 16-year-old son was threatening to harm himself. During this whole incident, he was also on house arrest for another reason. According to records, he attacked officers the moment they entered the home. He would end up landing in juvenile court due to this assault and have to face repercussion for these attacks. This then brings us to two years later in October of 2004, when BJ would assault his stepmom and hit her in the chest with so much force that she filed charges. Then, two months later, she would go to court to file felony assault against BJ because she claimed that he hit her in the head with a coffee cup. Then, he took her keys and stole her car, which I just want to pause and say is a really eerie foreshadow to the events that were coming because of the fact that he would shoot Susan and William, his father, in the skull and then beat Derek with a hammer. 
Not just that, but he would then take a vehicle and leave. Just real eerie foreshadowing. However, all of the charges that he was facing would eventually be dropped along with some robbery charges that were added on as well. But this was done because he would be found incompetent to stand trial. Now, there were some other cases of him becoming violent. Like, there was one time that he actually tried to attack Susan while she was in the shower. This led to William Sr. kicking out William Jr., BJ. But William Sr. would welcome his son back because he loved him unconditionally. And he just genuinely hoped and believed that eventually his son would be like, Hey, I should love him back, shouldn't I? Sadly, this just would not happen. In 2007, 18-year-old BJ would be hospitalized for schizoaffective disorder. After this, he would be moved to a group home for mental health patients. He stayed in this group home called Sandusky for a little while, but would have three violent encounters. It actually got pretty bad and he ended up getting physical with his father and would be taken from the home by law enforcement. So before we go any further, I'm sure you're catching on that BJ, William Liskey Jr. is a pretty bad kid. And this isn't because of his mental illness. They were trying to help him. It was the fact that he would refuse. He wouldn't listen. He did not cooperate. He didn't even really want to be on meds. It was really tough. And the Liskey family were trying. They were doing their best. William genuinely cared for his son. And it breaks my heart to know that BJ would end up brutally murdering his father. A father who, until his last moments, did not give up on his child. I know the stories I have for you do not end in us holding hands and hugging each other because they're so warm and fuzzy. But man, some of them are just really fucking dark. You know, like <laughs> this one. Always on. On air. Online. On mobile. Fox Toledo News starts right now. A triple homicide in Ottawa County this Halloween. Deputies won't say how the mother, father, and son died, but their suspects already behind bars. Barrett Andrews was the first reporter there, and he's on the scene with what we know. The sheriff says all the evidence points to the fact that the murders happened this morning, but the bodies weren't discovered for hours. It was around 2 o'clock this afternoon when a family member came to this house on State Route 2 in the middle of the Bono Curve, as he usually does. Today, he dropped by to use the computer, but after a while, he realized even though there were cars in the driveway, the house was eerily quiet. When he looked around, he found the bodies of 53-year-old William Liskey and 46-year-old Sue Liskey downstairs and the body of 23-year-old Derek Liskey upstairs. After interviewing family members, deputies sent out a bulletin across the state for their suspect, 24-year-old William Liskey. He was picked up around 5.30 in Carroll County, Ohio, where the family has a cottage just a county away from the Pennsylvania border. As I understand it, he moved around an awful lot. This is where he would come periodically because of his parents. That We have some places in Oregon, uh, Sandusky, things of that nature where he jumped around a little bit. The younger Liskey is William's son, Sue's stepson, and Derek's stepbrother. Another one of Sue's sons discovered the bodies. The sheriff says deputies have been called out to this house before. He couldn't say what those calls were about. Tonight, there will be more search warrants and a lot of piecing things together. Sheriff's deputies in the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation Detectives will process the scene all night to figure out what led to Ottawa County's second homicide case in the past decade. 
a lot of what I'm telling you has has been like from accounts of friends and family and so forth. And I need to talk about Mark Gradell. This was a very close friend of William Liskey Sr. As an adult, I'm sure you can tell me right now who your friend is that you tell almost everything to. Someone that you just, you vent to, you share with. They know your life's ins and outs. I have a few and probably my closest would be my friend Amanda and she will be able to tell you everything about me if I ever pass away. But if she does, I will haunt your bitch ass. Love you. <laughs> she's gonna hear that and be, she's gonna text me and be like, did you call me a bitch on your podcast? I did, but I love you. <laughs> Seriously, don't spill my secrets. Anyways, this was Mark for William. Now, Mark did share with police and investigators that him and William spoke often, and William would share about his worries when it came to BJ. These concerns were always met somehow with William saying, Ugh, BJ would never hurt us though. Even though up until and prior to several of these conversations where he would inevitably say that, BJ had already in fact been violent and hurt them. I think in a sense, as a parent, William just, he didn't want to admit that there was a good chance that his son BJ could truly cause harm to them. So I think somewhere in his mind, he thought if he didn't admit it, it wouldn't happen. Sadly though, that is not what happened. Mark and his wife were actually kind of suspicious of BJ because they thought that he was hurting their animals and even shot their dog. Even though Mark and his wife were a little bit weary of BJ, he was still extremely close with William Sr. And that night before the murders, they all spent the evening together at a Halloween party. Before this Halloween party, Mark also saw them return home from the hunting trip that had them at the cabin that BJ would be arrested at. So he literally killed them and then went right back to where he had just been with his dad. You see how it's just so messed up to me. I mean, we're talking about murder, so like it's already messed up. Can't really make sense of it, can you? Anyways, Mark did state that this whole day, all of it seemed normal. It didn't seem as though there was any tension. There weren't any fights. Everyone seemed to be getting along, especially given the history and what the family was sort of dealing with. BJ would rarely spend the night at the home though because of the violence that had been occurring. However, because William Sr. had been drinking, he thought it was best to have his son stay the night instead of try to like drive him home because he was intoxicated. And you know what fucking sucks and just is so sad to say? William Sr. made a very smart choice. He did not get behind the wheel so that he didn't risk, you know, hurting himself, hurting his son, or killing anybody else on the road. But this decision to ensure their safety would actually mean that William, his wife Susan, and his stepson would be brutally murdered. We need an ambulance in the sheriff to show up, please. It started out considerably calm. The caller wasn't sure what was going on. All she knew was that her nephew called, saying there was blood everywhere. Where's the blood? In their house? In their bed? It's in her bed. Okay. But her nephew couldn't find anyone inside, so she went in. Oh, my God! Lori? I don't know. Bill's in the bed. He's dead. He's got to be dead. Okay. Did it look like maybe he was shot? Oh, he's, honey, he's, he's either shot or stabbed or something. At that point, the caller realizes Bill's truck is gone and gives the dispatcher a description and a name. His son, DJ, was here last night. They were going to go hunting. They've had a lot of trouble with him, with the law. 
and he's threatened Susie before. The sheriff tells us DJ is William Liskey, the suspect. In Ottawa County, Barrett Andrews, Fox Toledo News. Michelle Gradell, who was Mark Gradell's wife, said that she's pretty sure she heard gunshots around 6.30 on the morning of Halloween. So, if this is correct, if this is when the murders occurred, that means when BJ bumped into Devin, he allowed him to live. Because BJ had already killed Susan, William, and Derek. Meaning when he was sitting there all like, hey, uh, where are you off to? When do you think you're gonna be back? I just, I'm just curious. I definitely didn't kill anybody. Don't go in the bedrooms. Even so, during this whole little exchange, Devin said that BJ was uncharacteristically happy, which is so disturbing. That means that he was in such a good mood because he just killed people. Exhibit 1704 as to why I don't like people. By November of 2010, BJ would be charged with six counts of murder. This was two counts for each person that he killed. Three of the counts were aggravated murder with prior calculation and design. The other three were calculated murder committed in the commission of aggravated robbery. And of course, naturally, BJ pleaded not guilty. He would be held in the Ottawa County Jail on a $3 million bond. BJ would be represented by two court-appointed attorneys, and a third one would actually become his guardian because, you know, he like brutally killed his other ones. I'm sure that person was so excited to be his guardian, just like, whoop, this is gonna be fun. However, this man by the name of Gary Cahill actually did something kind of helpful for BJ, and he made a gag order go into effect over the trial. This kept a lot of the information out of the press for quite some time. After some time, William Liskey Jr. would be found competent to stand trial for the murders of his father, William Liskey, his stepmother, Susan Liskey, and his stepbrother, Derek Griffin. At a pre-trial hearing on August 12, 2011, VJ pled guilty. No, he didn't do this out of the kindness of his own heart, just all, I'm so sorry guys, I really shouldn't have done it. No, sir, he did it because he did not want to be sentenced to death. So he said, hey, if I admit that I did it, can you take the death sentence off the table? And that was approved. Side note, I think that that should not be an option. I really do. I think, you know what? If you want to kill somebody, you should be able to face death yourself. I'm just going to say. But I don't make the rules around here. Because <laughs> if I did, she would be so different. Anyways, so before his sentencing, he apologized for killing his family. He did this, though, by blaming his mental illness and Satan. So, like, he didn't fully accepted. He was just like, I'm sorry I'm mentally ill, but also Satan made me do it. Sorry, I don't have remorse for him, so. Anywho, he would be sentenced to three sentences of life in prison without any possibility of parole. However, he is not still serving his time. On March 31st of 2015, William Liskey Jr. was found dead in his cell of self-inflicted wounds. And that is where the Liskey family massacre ends. County Sheriff's Office sent us several reports today stemming back to 2004. The information tells us more about Liskey and how his parents were concerned, even scared for their own safety. As recently as June, a domestic dispute caused Ottawa County Sheriff's deputies to show up at the Liskey home on North State Route 2. William Liskey told authorities his son was violent, pushed and yelled at him. 
However, he didn't want to press charges, but stressed that his son was mentally ill and needed to take his meds. There was some indication that um, there had been some uh, arguments and some disagreements at the residence. Our office has been called there. Another troubling incident back in 2004, Susan Liskey made a statement there was a confrontation between her and her stepson. She said, he screamed like a baby and called me more names and came at me at full force. He hit me straight in the chest and somehow cut my eye. Years later, William Liskey is accused of murdering his father, stepmom, and stepbrother. Dr. Christopher Lane says it is troubling, but people dealing with a loved one with mental illness should keep safety priority one. The minute there's any kind of hint of real physical violence, pushing or threatening or whatever, probably they should get the police involved. Uh, you know, if you're dealing with a relative who's mentally ill and who keeps doing uh, mean things, don't just assume that the meanness comes out of a mental illness. And there you have it, our first episode of the spooky season, the Liskey Halloween Family Massacre. I would love to know what you think of this case. What are your feelings on William Liskey Jr.? Do you think he really felt remorse? Do you think that his mental illness is to blame? Do you think it was Satan, like he says? Anyways, if you want to tell me what you think of this case, or maybe you have something you'd like me to look into. If you'd like to get in contact with me or just send me something, please do so at what's the actual effharmony at gmail.com. I love the messages I get from you guys and the cases you tell me to look into. I appreciate you all so much. Anyways, Sir Thackeray Binks just woke up and looks a little bit grumpy, so I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. I look forward to talking to you on the next episode of What the Actual F, where I will have another crazy and dark tale from something that's happened around our world. However, I hope that you stay safe until then, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. But until we meet again, it is time for me to bid you adieu. I love you, stay safe, and of course, sweet screams. Mm -hmm.